welcome everybody to episode 126 of SDGC. Um, as always, I'm one of your hosts, uh, John, uh, aka Mr. Megative on Twitter. And tonight we're joined by Zach. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Finn is back. Finn, we're always happy to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, and it felt like a good episode to come back. You know, yeah. it, it's, it, this is appropriate. This you is made apropos. a good choice. And uh, and Derek, who's running the stream tonight, so hopefully there won't be any drops. Yeah, what's going on, guys? That stable internet out in the uh, out in the city, you know, like uh, or at least more more. You're, you're you're more civilized than I am, dude. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest tonight. Uh, I'm really excited about this. We got him on short notice. Uh, the lead quest designer for Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, uh, with Ubisoft, Nicholas Cole. Uh, Nicholas or Nick? What, what, what do you prefer? Uh, you know what? Just whatever suits you guys best. I'm okay. I'm used to everything by now. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what you have you 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 have you haven't been with us yet, so you're not oh, you're not, we'll you're not used then. to everything yet. We'll yeah. see if um, I get something new. <laughs> so, uh, Nicholas, thank you so much for uh, for taking time out of your schedule to join us, man. I know you must be busy, and this means a lot to us. Of course, no problem. Um, so, right off the bat, uh, Nicholas, for anybody in chat who may not know a little bit of uh, you know a, a little bit about you, could you can you kind of explain where you came from and kind of what you do uh, uh, in regards to game design at Ubisoft? Uh, yeah, of course. So. Uh... Like you said, uh, I'm Nicholas Colm. I'm uh, actually one of the lead quest designers on Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, since we had multiple, because it's a ah, big game. Okay. <laughs> it's a big game, as some people have pointed out. <laughs> um, and uh, how? D- what did I do? So, uh, you know, I design and implement quests and uh, lead a team that basically does all that. Uh, the reason I'm doing that at Ubisoft is... Uh, expertise that I gathered before. I work in the industry for a good seven years now. Um, Previously worked on a little indie title called Witcher 3. I've never heard of that. That, One more time, what was it called? It's it's like, like, nobody knows about it. (laughs) I've never heard of this game. Yeah, completely. Uh, But yeah, so... um, (laughs) That was uh, my second job in the industry, actually. I, I started out in a little uh, studio in Germany called uh, Black Forest Games, a.k.a. Spellbound, um, after graduating from game design college. And uh, after CD Projekt, uh, moved over to Canada again, to uh, the Canadian shores, and uh, joined Ubisoft uh, for this project and have been with it for uh, over two years now. Wow. Nicholas, awesome. uh, random throwback. Were you at Black Forest during the Rogue Stormers era? Yes. Well, just before I left, actually, uh, sort of. It started up when uh, when I was uh, about to leave, basically. So, oh, okay. uh, Rogue Stormers was um, back then still known as Diesel Stormers before Diesel Jeans came along and said, "Nope, you can't call it that." <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny little thing. Diesel Jeans thought it, it like there could be brand uh, problems if a, a, a tiny little indie video game calls themselves Diesel Storms. Anyway, that's the. <laughs> <laughs> scrolls stormers no well yeah so, nicholas i i have a quick question um yeah. how, how did you find your way onto the assassin's creed odyssey team um actually i was found so uh oh. one of the international ubisoft recruiters contacted me while i was still at city project um back then though i told her basically nope i I always finish what I start. <laughs> so uh, 
so then when it came time for me uh, to to change to change position um i uh, i reached out again and said hey now i'm available and they were like yep we still have stuff available for you and um a couple of talks later a couple of interviews later and uh here i am and i'll tell you what um the the reception for assassin's creed i mean people are calling this the best assassin's creed since two um so it's so the the reception for the game has been has been fantastic <laughs> and by um, he means me <laughs> every i mean hell everybody man like everybody is just head over heels about this game um and uh there are compared so and what's really interesting is that i have heard it compared to um Sky, like somebody on twitter the other day said it's skyrim but good and i was like wow <laughs> like, that's like, wow again yeah, that's, no, not that there's anything wrong hmm. with skyrim but that's but, spicy and I, I don't get i love skyrim i've put like 500 hours into skyrim but some this game was described as the natural evolution of that style of open world game uh which which i thought was uh incredibly interesting and not traditionally what you think about when you think of an assassin's creed game right um which, not necessarily no yeah so so i i thought i i thought that was fascinating um we do have a few questions about the uh about the design process nicholas that went into, just a few just a few you know i've you you've seen them you know you've seen yeah them. yeah so so the way we'll do this is um everybody's got the questions up uh you don't have to ask them in any particular order guys uh, but just pick a question next to your name and go, and we will sure. start with we'll start with Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this one uh, is a little bit broad. So if you so if you can't answer it, just pick an angle. Uh, <laughs> so so obviously uh, Origins just came out last year, um, and different teams worked on it. At, uh, you know each game, but um, how do you take positive feedback from a game like Origins, which is also really well received, um, and implement that into into uh, uh, Odyssey in a way that uh, in such a quick turnaround? Uh, so like you already mentioned, um, the two teams were working basically in, uh, tandem, uh, for a long period of time before, uh, Origins came out. Um, so there's a lot of communication going on between the studios. Uh, they talk basically all the time. Um, yeah. and one of the, one of the nice things is, is that there's always, um, uh, play tests being done, uh, before release. And sure. uh, those playtests give uh, insights. Um, they give especially insights on things that uh, one team uh, might realize as they continue into production into into a stage where maybe uh, something comes up that they would have liked to change but can't anymore because of uh, time constraints. Sure. Um, and then we can we know we get this feedback as well, so uh, we learn from that. Um, as well, and then I mean, we did have an additional year after Origins of came course. out. So uh, as much as we could, obviously, we looked at how was it received, what was well received, what was not so well received, uh, what can we improve on that uh, at this stage in the project still. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. God, this is already so cool. I'm loving this. This is dope. <laughs> I love. I love. I love learning about how the sausage is made. Like yeah. this is just. Oh, this is so of, cool. The other side of the coin is just a fascinating look every time. Especially, especially, especially when you like somebody like me who's just so dumb on the on the on the developer side of things. You know, like I'm not well, dumb. I'm dumb on the developer side of things, guys. Come on. To be to be fair, uh, I always uh, very often feel like um, it would be nice if if uh, if there was more. Um, um, however, like more people would have more interest in how things were actually done, and on the flip side, also there would be more podcasts like these and uh interviews and articles and so on i mean there is a, sh- a t- 
ton of, of information out there, but you have to look for it. You have to really actively look for it to find it, to get more of an insight into how things are actually done. Right. So I, 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 I just want to point out real quick, um, uh, the, the box quote for SCGC, we're going to include, there should be more podcasts like this. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's definitely going to be a thing. All right. Uh, all right. Zach, I, I didn't mean to call you Zach. Go ahead. Bold letters. <laughs> no. No, I was just going to say, uh, just just kind of reiterating what Nicholas was saying. I, I remember uh, Upper Time of Horizon Zero Dawn, another uh, uh, big third-person game that was well-received, like Odyssey. Um, people were amazed by a developer revealing how frustum culling works. And people were like, and half the reception was like, this is so cool. And the other half was like, how did you not know how this works? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just it's it's always fascinating to get a, a look at it. Finn, you should uh, ask another question, buddy. Yeah, I will. Please. So, uh, with, so with so many different teams working on different titles in the franchise, how much effort, how much work does it really take to keep that consistency of the franchise while still allowing you and the others their own freedom to influence the, uh, their own entry with their own ideas? Uh, that's actually pretty straightforward because there is a thing called editorial, uh, which is essentially the... Uh, the boss of everything, uh, like they are uh, the keepers of of uh, the vision uh, of what the company wants to put out there. Um, within that, uh, different studios can, um, whenever they get the mandate to do uh, an Assassin's Creed, for example, um, they will pitch ideas of what they want to do, what they would like to do, and it goes through various stages of productions. And um, whenever it reaches one of those stages or end of one of those stages of production, it'll go to editorial and they will check, is this what we want? Is it in line with uh, what the other teams are already working on? Of course, there's also, like I said earlier, there's always cross-communication between the studios. So especially if you're working in the same franchise, uh, there's almost never uh, a way that uh, the other studio will not know what you are doing uh, and they talk with each other and see where things could be taken next, basically. So it sounds like, it sounds like just like the, the right hand is almost always communicating with the left hand. Almost always, yeah. yeah. It's necessary, otherwise, yeah. otherwise it would get... So there's just like a giant Ubisoft uh, Slack Group. It's it's actually just Eve just looking at <laughs> looking at <all> of them. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we? Um, what, what was that, Finn? I'm sorry. I was gonna say. Uh, I, why not let Derek take a stab at? It? I was I was just gonna pass Derek. it over to Derek. Oh man. Um. So, Assassin's Creed Origins made some really huge steps away from what people considered kind of the traditional Assassin's Creed formula. Um, and then Odyssey has evolved even further on that. There's a lot of major changes like, um, you know, the idea of being able to have like unique character playthroughs, you know, dialogue trees is something new to um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey from the rest of the franchise. Um, is this something to your knowledge that has been kind of eyed for a while behind the scenes with Assassin's Creed or, or if not, like what caused that to come about for this game specifically? Um, so since I wasn't there at the very beginning of the project, yeah, but yeah. what I have, what I do know is that the, uh, decision on, on how to progress with the, with the new Assassin's Creed games was made in tandem with, uh, the Origins team. So the, um, the idea was always Origins is going to start off this, uh, this process of, uh, moving it more into this RPG direction. Uh, they changed up the combat drastically. Um, <laughs> they, uh, um, they added a different structure to it, more open world um, and so on and so forth. And as they were 
as they were communicating this to us and as they were having these conversations, um, it was then on us to say, all right, so this is what they're doing and now we're going to pick it up from there. Um, so the decision was made before Origins, uh, well, long, well, not long before, but quite a bit before that. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, like, games take a long time to make, yeah. right? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it, it needed a little bit of time. And that was also one of the reasons why we had the break in between to sort of get that creative <laughs> energy flowing in. It's like, sure. where do we want to take this? Where should it go? Break very well used. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Nicholas, are you sure that games take a long time to make? Because every Collins College School of Design, I have every commercial I've ever seen of theirs tells me, you know, man, where should this sound go? I can't believe we're getting paid to make these games. <laughs> Tighten up the graphics on level Tighten three. Gra- I, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. As a proud owner of uh, RPG Maker, I can tell you that it's really no big deal. No, it's simple, basically. <laughs> Uh, I, every now and then, I could just see, I could just see Nicholas like sending a text message to a friend. Can you believe we get paid to do this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> unbelievable! All right, so uh, Nicholas, I got a question if you don't mind. Go ahead. Um, so uh, I'm curious, uh, what lessons did you take from your work on quest design in The Witcher Three? Um, I, and this is me just me being ignorant, assuming that's what you did uh, on The Witcher Three. Uh, and how or were you able to apply the lessons uh, there to Odyssey's overall quest design? Uh. So, yes, first of all, yes, I was able to take lessons. And yes, I was a quest designer on on Witcher 3. Um, And uh, one, I think the most important lesson um, that I took along with me is uh, that choices don't always have to be big to be impactful. So um, a lot of the times things players will remember and and i've noticed this like i've been watching people play through witcher 3 for a long time i'm now watching people play through uh odyssey dropping into streams and everything mm-hmm. um a lot of the moments people uh, players uh appreciate players really like get excited over is things that are not necessarily like you know like the big choices like yeah do i kill this guy or do i spare this guy do i like condemn this faction or do i do i save aiden or do i save uh, um Ashley, uh, you know, um, so those are big choices and, and they have their place, obviously, uh, in, in my opinion, um, and I like them as well. But one of the things that Witcher 3 taught me was that uh, a story can be interesting if you only have small, small choices, personal choices, very personal choices that are um, sort of localized to that particular quest line um, that play out over over a couple of episodes as as you will a couple of quests and have uh, uh an impact on the ending of that that is not ne- not necessarily world changing but it change it it changes things for the character um those were some of the most memorable quests in in Witcher 3 I've been interviewed before about one of those and I'm sure there I've already read a lot of uh comments about those particular types of quests in uh, Odyssey as well you know, it's, uh, it's it's interesting you mentioned that, uh, Nicholas, because I have I have maintained uh, several times that uh, the Bloody Baron side quest in Witcher Three is one of the finest side quests in any game I've ever played. It's it could have been its own contained experience, and and to see you, it's 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 interesting to see you take the lessons learned from there and apply them to something else that 
uh, like I, I'm not sure. And it, like, it, would you say that Odyssey, like, in, as far as scope goes, is actually bigger than bigger than Witcher Three? Uh, as far as overall scope goes, probably just because okay. of the massive amount of uh, various systems we have in there that um, uh, that were just not present. Like, we didn't have uh, conquest battles, we didn't have a mercenary system, we didn't have uh, a cultist system, and uh, I'm I'm not sure, but. I'd have to ask a, a world designer how big the worlds actually are comparatively. <laughs> we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a ship that you could drive. Well, we did have a ship, but it was, you know, it wasn't. Really a little guy. Like it was just a guy. more of a boat. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, right. Um, it's a glorified so just, dinghy, really. <laughs> yes. So just based on that, yes. Um, but of course, that's not necessarily uh, for me. Uh, necessarily. For, for Quest side, um, I could apply a lot of the lessons learned there and and take them along. So that was just good. Oh, that's so. Uh, this is uh, that's so cool to hear, Zach. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic back to you, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so <laughs> this this might show some ignorance in in uh in the consumer side of understanding how games are made. Um, because I know it's it's not like you build a, a quest and then move to the next quest that's in the narrative. But uh, when you when you first go from from presumably storyboarding a quest line. And then it's in its playable state. Um, how long does that usually take? Can it take like the full breadth of development until everything really snaps into place? Um, you know what? I I don't really think I can okay. give you an, an estimate of hours. No, no, just because like it's what do you define playable? Like you know, yeah. there's a first there's a first playable version that um. Anyway, uh, there's a first playable version that that um, comes along at some point in the development process, which is pretty early. Uh, it's, that's usually after maybe like depending on the size of the quest between two days, maybe a week uh, that it takes you to from from concept to implementation in the en- first implementation in the engine. Um, but then, like, if you want to call it like actually playable for a player, uh, for a consumer. Um, now that's a completely different piece because then right. you involve all the other departments. Everybody has to put their stuff in there because at the end of the day, a quest designer, um, I like to think of quest design as sort of a creative director for that particular chunk of content. Right. Because you take everything that everybody else does and you put it into uh, into the game in a way that it creates the experience that you want to relay to the player. Right. Um, so you have to communicate with everybody. You have to communicate with every p- possible department in the in the studio and make sure that uh, everything comes together in the end. And that, I'm going to say, there were quests that I started at the very beginning of the production and that I worked on until the very end of production. So, Ah, okay. Okay, perfect. Thanks. I know that was kind of a... It's a hard one to... All good. Okay. Zach, Zach likes to help. throw the zingers. Zach, <laughs> Zach comes in hot with the zingers. Mm. I hope that um, clarified it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it did clarify. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we go uh, back to Finn? All right. Well, this, this is a, a personal question for, for Nicholas. Uh, oh. So were there any quests that you personally wanted, but that did not make the cut? Oh, oh, oh that's a good one. Ones. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, yes. First of all, yes. And that's always the case. I don't think there's any game out there where there's not at least some content that somebody wanted in the game that didn't make the final cut. Uh, it's kind of in the nature of game development, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, in this particular case, 
there, I wouldn't necessarily call it quests in particular, I would say branches of quests. There were a couple of branches that I would have liked to include, but um, where at the end of the day, we ran out of time in terms of, um, because unfortunately with a game like this, it all means it also needs to be voice recorded. Um, you know, you have to bring in the actors into the studio, you have to like get the cinema, uh, cinematics team on there and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, so a, a couple of the branches I would have liked to include um, did not make it into the into the final game, sadly. But um, I think most of the stuff that I really wanted in there actually made it. And a couple of things that I was afraid would not make it actually did make it in the oh, end. Oh, that's so good. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Do you do you, do you like? Too <clears throat> bad. Like I'm I'm unfamiliar with with how this works. So like, choice is it ultimately? And this this is just kind of a a, a, a springboard off of Finn's question whose choice is it ultimately as as to as to what branch path or is what branching paths go in there and and, and what's cut ultimately it's up to the creative director okay. all right okay. uh so he, he's the end all and be all um there's there's various steps obviously so i can say some of the stuff won't make it into the game when uh, my juniors or or uh regular quest designers come up and and want to put something in i can say that that doesn't make it but then some of the stuff i would you know i say yeah no, don't go go and try that but then the uh, director comes in and says nope that won't make the cut <laughs> awesome no that's perfect that's perfect yep. man um derek why don't you derek why don't you fire a question yeah man so um how intertwined are you with the I, i'm sure it's not like a writing team explicitly in in those terms but um you know, when it comes to like quest design, you think about how these side quests interact with the story itself. Like, how do you work within the writing of the side quest to make it not feel like you're putting the entire game on a halt to go do the story? How do you make that feel organic um, in the process of, of, you know, being taken a piece at a time um, mm -hmm. as you play through or stop to for somebody to marathon side quests and not feel mm -hmm. too removed, I guess, from the world? Uh, so, first of all, we are ridiculously embedded with the narrative team, um, uh, script writers. So basically, okay. we're we're best buddies. Uh, <laughs> uh, we sit together and everything. Um, because at the end of the day, we both sort of do the same thing. We we you know we uh, create the narrative for the game. Um, the quest designer puts the narrative into the engine. The the script writer writes the words that create that experience. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a combined effort of, uh, of both of those teams to make sure that um, uh, branches from the main path, for example, are at the moments where it makes sense for the story. Like, is there a slight lull? Like, did we just come off a huge, exciting moment? Or uh, are, like one of the worst things possible, like you're, you're moving up and you know, like, oh, around the next corner, there's a huge boss fight or like this super dramatic moment that's like decisive. And then Socrates comes along and says, by the way, uh, <laughs> like, you can't obviously, like you can't uh, really do that. Nobody would want to, would want to do that. So you sort of like have the overview over the uh, overall story. And then you uh, find those hook points where you can say, all right, this is, this is a point where we can, send the player off, do something else. And also very often to just see, oh, okay, so this main path quest sends the player to this area. I'm going to put a quest quiver in that area so that when the player gets there, completes that main path quest, he sees, oh, look, there's a there's an exclamation mark. I can maybe check that out. So it's a bit, yeah. It's sort of enticing the player to go to different ways. Um, 
Nicholas, we actually have a message in chat from Sam Tolbert. Uh, just want to say thank you so much for helping to make my favorite game this generation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that That's is cool. so nice. That's awesome to hear. It's a genuine That's moment of joy right there. That's what we live is. for, guys. <laughs> Yeah, like somebody, somebody gift that. That's that's a genuine. They don't happen on, on the podcast. <laughs> genuine joy is a rarity on this podcast. It's mostly just us sitting <laughs> around and regret being miserable uh, and arguing with positive. each other. Positive. <laughs> so I will, um, I will, I will jump in with a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I that has kind of been on my mind ever since I started playing open world games. Like I've always wanted to ask somebody involved in this. Um, uh, as someone, so I'm unfamiliar with the process of brainstorming games. Uh, so, was Odyssey's open world built with its quest structure in mind, or are those retrofitted into the world after it's been conceptualized? So, with Odyssey, uh, with any Assassin's Creed game, actually, you always have to remember that they take place in actual places. So, you know, it is ancient Greece. Um, there is things we just can't we we can't just put athens to in a a different location or Mm -hmm. you know we can't can't just say oh athens is now on top of a mountain or whatever might be the case um so in in assassin's creed games uh the world is well i mean it's already here it's our world so you know it's created first um and then the quests fit into that there is of course also the the flip side where uh, details in the world will be adjusted based on the quests then. So um, like we will say, we need uh, a bandit encampment over here, or we need a temple or any kind of uh, point of interest over here. Um, We need something, we need a fight arena in this particular area. So we communicate that to the world team and they accommodate us as good as they can within that, within that, um, limitation that it still needs to be based on the actual map of the Greek world um, and only adjust that well as little as possible so I mean it's still a game and fun comes first so you know uh, there are um, concessions that are being made to that but um, at the end of the day that's the that's the main drive and then the quests are being put in there and then when it comes into the details that's when we get to say we need this this or that's really interesting, Nicholas. It sounds like due to the, uh, as you said, you know, Greece is a real place and, you know, antiquity was a real thing. Um, it sounds like that's actually, you're, you're more constricted by that than you would be something like The Witcher 3, where you've got a lot more freedom to say, okay, you know what, this is a fantasy world we pulled from deep within our minds and we can do whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in in a way, yes, but in a way also no. Um, the, if you're, you're still limited, even in The Witcher, at least if you want to make it a believable world, to uh, it has to feel real. It has to feel like, yes, this is a place people could live. Um, so that limitation you will always, well, you know, unless you go completely ridiculously fantasy, um, you will have. Um, however, it is restricting in a way, but that also makes you think of more creative solutions to uh... things. And then at the end of the day, it also leads you to explore like, okay, so, you know, why is this particular town here? Okay, it's because uh, the geography was uh, was particularly beneficial to settlement here. So what can we make out of that? Like, uh, you know, is there something in the geography we can use to maybe give the player a plot, uh, a plot hood, uh, hook? Jesus Christ, sorry. Um, <laughs> We've had far worse. We've had far worse. <laughs> is, there, is there anything we can do uh, to tell a story that, that is part of the world? 
as it were. And um, so that gives, gives you a different approach to it, I would say. Uh, restrictive in a way, but also makes you think differently, I guess, which is interesting. That's fascinating. Thank you, Nicholas. Um, Derek, back to, or no, I'm sorry, uh, actually, Zach. Zach, we're back to you now. Yeah, uh, so this, this question's a, a quick two-parter, uh, but, and you've already touched on one half. Uh, so when you are working on side quests and also uh, you know, main quests, how do you handle... Uh, like you were saying, how how you have different things in scale, and you kind of want if you have a really high point in a narrative, sometimes it's okay to give low point in, in side quests where like things are a little bit more calm than they are mm-hmm. at certain climactic moments. How do you kind of balance that in a way where um where where people are getting a nice break, but then it it doesn't suddenly become like oh I'm in a slog now I'm just you know what I mean like how how do you kind of yeah um, yeah uh well mostly we think of every side quest every uh almost every quest sort of is supposed to uh, to tell a story. Yeah. Um, sometimes, obviously, you can't tell one story in just one quest, in which case you go on to quest chains, which is in Odyssey particularly. The character quests are examples of that. Yeah. Um, but even then, each quest should have a, a sort of an arc to it. Sure. Um, and then you get to to sort of thinking about pacing a little bit. Yeah, uh, because like you said, you don't want to turn it into a slog, but at the same time, um, you want to keep the player engaged. Uh, sometimes you will want to have a bit of time in between segments of a quest or in between parts of a quest chain, um, which is often, uh, especially with character quests, is, can be the case because sometimes you will not want to have uh, the next quest in a in a question because something it just happened in the previous quest uh, and it doesn't really make sense narratively that the character would then jump just into the next adventure um, how do we balance that honestly it's um, it's a bit of a miracle really <laughs> okay <laughs> which is really like all games it feels like a little bit yeah no yeah. it's it's really um, you get a feel for it one of the main okay. things that um, we do a lot is, is playtesting our own stuff so assume because we put uh, quests into the game as early as we possibly can so that we can actually play them in the world. Uh, one of the things, paper designing quests is great, but a lot of quests on paper won't turn out in the game because actually trying to play them feels very different every single time. So playing through them and then seeing how they feel when they come off the main path when they, you know, or when they are embedded in the world, uh, that helps a lot. So this is why we, especially during uh, main production time, we would have play sessions of... Uh, areas uh, either bi-weekly or sometimes even daily because we needed to um, we need to know what is going on with the other quests how do our how does our stuff fit in with the other stuff that's being made by other people sure um, yeah just just uh i have my quick part two guys do we have enough time for me to do that really quick yeah, no 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 go go no. okay yeah. so it's so my quick part two um is that it's one of my favorite things in in odyssey um i love the new exploration mode uh, for finding quests mm-hmm. um was that a decision made early on, just just like, oh, this is a, a new a new pillar we want to introduce, or is this part of that pacing thing where where like if you produce more highs and lows while you go from point to point? A little bit of both, but the decision was made early on. Um, okay. The decision to bring that system into the game was uh, one of our uh, game director's big big uh, plans yeah. for the game early on. It was actually uh, even less even less guided for a long time. Um, until it turned out that players really couldn't find stuff. 
Okay. <laughs> then you had uh, to bring in, yeah. Yeah, and then you know you you make uh, concessions sort of back and forth, uh, try out different approaches, and then eventually we landed on this um, for for this game. I think there's uh, ways we can still um, push that forward in when we when we're going into the next yeah. year, whenever that yeah. might be. No, no clue. No clue. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it it uh, it was a plan from the beginning. But then it also helped with um, with certain pacing situations. Of course, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I, it, seriously, it, it's it is such like when when it's first presented early in the game, it feels like it's a minute difference. And then like when you're actually in it, um, especially the early quests that really hit it home. It's I, I love that addition. It's it's great. That's good to hear. <laughs> And uh, we will kick it back up to Finn. Oh, and by the way, just uh, so we're hitting the home stretch here, we got about uh, we probably got time for one more question, Finn, and then we are going to jump into the reader submitted questions. Okay. Um. Yep. So, <clears throat> good sir, if you may. Um. Why don't I well, get that level of respect? This is like <laughs> I started this podcast. I'll make a couple of my favorite games. I guess that's why you started oh. this podcast. <laughs> oh, um, what good. would you say? makes the quests in Assassin's Creed Odyssey stand out both against other games in the series and also your contemporaries in the genre of open world awesomeness? Um, well, in terms of in the series, uh, the, the obvious answer is we have choice and consequence uh, to yeah. a degree in our, in our game. So that was always from the beginning, uh, one of the things we, we kept in mind when designing quests, we wanted choices, we wanted to have consequences. Um, which is which is a lot of fun. I think uh, another uh, thing that makes them stand out, which I've happily also uh, seen that players really appreciated, is that it's less linear in a way that um, you can do quests before you even accept them. So sometimes you will clear out a bandit camp and then you go to a quest giver and the quest will say, oh, I have to deal with these bandits every day. And then the, and you say, what, you mean the bandits over there? I dealt with them. It's all good. And then the quest is over, um, which is which is fun, which is nice. It's just it, it makes you feel a little more connected to the world, makes it all feel a little more involved. Uh, and it because it's an open world game, it'll it'll give you a little freedom in which a situation um, lets you get a little more creative with uh how you approach a fort, how you approach an enemy, how you approach any given situation, really. Um, so those are the ways that I think it, it differs from previous uh, entries in the in the series. Um, less so from Origins because they already pushed in that direction, but then uh, adding in the choices and uh, consequences and the the making things happen before thing is uh, what I think would make that stand out. In terms of, uh, in comparison to other games, I think one of the things that I was really happy about and that I feel like makes a drastic difference is we're actually funny sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. We we have, I mean, I'm not saying no other game is funny, obviously, uh, but we have intentionally put a lot of uh, humor into the game uh, yeah. funny little moments that you wouldn't really expect from a franchise that's all about killing people. Yeah. Um, but we, we and and I was really, really the narrative director when Mel uh, told me about that, that she wanted to go that direction. Um, and uh, and we really, like, I, I know I tried really hard to get a lot of funny moments into the game. So, yeah, the humor is one thing that I think stands out a little bit. Um, and then obviously 
what is always nice about an Assassin's Creed game is also learning about um, historical figures and the actual setting itself. So a lot of the quests uh, were are rooted in either myth or legend from uh, of the Greeks. Um, they're also rooted in in lifestyle and uh, different things that we know about that world that uh, our historian that worked with us locally um, helped us a lot. Like whenever we pitched an idea for a quest, like, Oh, we want to do this. What do you think? And then she's like, yeah, this would not really work in that world. <laughs> so on and so forth. Um, but you learn a lot, um, just by playing through it. You learn a little bit about how people lived back then, how they, how they saw things. Why did they believe in gods? Um, so on and so forth. Uh, and then obviously also talking to Socrates, such a joy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, or yeah. but also to any of the other, we tried to be uh, accurate to to what we know about them uh, as much as we could. Obviously, with some uh, creative liberties in order to make to to make the story happen appropriately. Um, but yeah, I think that that is one of the really amazing things uh, for me as well. Like designing it and making it happen was was just awesome. Well, and like, and that's something that uh, a guy like me can appreciate. I'm a, I love history, and I'm a, I'm a student of antiquity. And I love the, I, I love that time period, and to actually see things take tackled seriously. The, like for example, the Battle of Thermopylae that 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 that, that you have not seen tackled in in games before, um, at least in a serious manner, is just really refreshing and cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the great things about the Assassin's Creed series. Yeah, um, is is seeing those time periods and those those you know those battles those characters that you normally wouldn't ever see in another game yeah. and, I think... and then, uh the last thing that i'll say about that is um it has been announced that we're we're going to also have the uh, discovery tour back for odyssey um so and that is like just the next step with that because of course i i i love playing the game and, and experiencing like that but then add on top of that um this discovery mode uh is i think i think it's an amazing thing um for for everybody to to just experience a culture like that, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're we're going to jump into just a couple of fan questions here, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I will uh, I'll just jump in with the first one. Um, uh, at Gas in the Hole from Twitter asks, "What was your favorite quest you had the pleasure of working on or designing? Anything particularly outstanding to you?" Uh, so one of my favorites, I would say there's two. One being the Blood Fever quest on the very first island. Um, yeah. If anybody has uh, already seen that, <laughs> yeah, uh, was one of my favorites. And then I had the pleasure of working on the Silver Islands, they were called, uh, which was also the area that was showcased at E3. And um, so I worked on that area with my team, and I think that is one of the one of the things I'm really proud of. Uh, one of the quest chains and and just section of content that I'm I'm really really happy with. Uh, yeah, so those two would stand out to me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, Derek, why don't you grab a fan question and throw it out there? All right. Um, I'm going to grab the softball one because I like this question, though. Um, so this is, this is I think this one's easy, but I got to ask anyway. <laughs> Make sure you shout out who asked it, too. Yeah, this one's this one is Woody Mitty, who's actually in uh, chat and is one of our regulars. Mm -hmm. So Alexios or Cassandra? <laughs> oh, Cassandra. Yeah. 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 There you go. There yeah. You go. yeah. yeah. Right. I, 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 there nothing against Alexios. Uh, he's great and everything, but um, I fell in love with Cassandra's biceps and. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so did half the chat. Yeah. <laughs> so did half, yeah. I, I, 
I've seen multiple messages in chat. Like I, I, I Dio said, uh, tell him thank you for giving Cassandra those guns. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I wanted to mention this earlier when you talked about humor, but the the voice. I mean, and this isn't a knock against the uh, Alexia's voice actor, but Cassandra's voice actor is is funny when she needs to be, but also tough as shit mm-hmm. when she needs. Yeah. Like the 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 voice acting for her is just sublime. Yeah, Love Melissa. It. Uh, Melissa did an amazing job with uh, Cassandra. I can't, I can't, like, I, I, I was just blown away when I when I heard her the first time, and um, yeah, and have been happy ever since. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, uh, Cassandra, I'm pretty sure you're a cop. <laughs> uh, Zach, why don't you grab a question? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we, we passed uh, Finn, I think. Oh, do we pass Finn? Do we pass? Yeah, give, we it, give it to Finn. Give it to Finn. Pass Finn right as his camera clears up. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um now nah, i'm good no okay so this one comes from a you know i feel like this is appropriate going to ginger effect this is from ginger dome 81 Ooh, all right oh look at this ginger brother here. representing yeah. the underserved uh the side quests actually seem to have purpose and meaning behind them beyond just the stalk this bring me that in previous entries were there any other games or genres that you used for inspiration well, I mean, I'm going to say me personally, just based on the fact that I worked on it, obviously um, The Witcher came came there as a, as an inspiration. I um, can't believe that. I can't believe it. I'm stunned. No, I completely yeah. love that. No, but um, there's that. There was, um, funnily enough, also um, a bit of uh zelda breath of the wild um but mostly for in, in terms of openness uh how you approach situations obviously we we didn't go as far nearly as far as zelda did in the end um but we we try to be as open as possible when you approach any given subject uh, um objective in a quest uh and then um i uh, for me personally there is always old school uh, Bioware uh, quest situation. So this is mostly when it comes to choices and consequences. So to keep choices uh, not as obvious as they might be, um, mostly I'm talking about things like Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Jade Empire, Mm -hmm. um, that sort of stuff. So not having a clear yes or no situation when you give the player a choice um, as much as we could. And um, honestly, that, that was... The main part about making a quest interesting to me, anyway, is to wrap it in an interesting narrative with interesting people. Because um, at the end of the day, the game is the game, and you will do a certain thing because it's an Assassin's Creed game. It will probably involve killing people, uh, or you know, at, at least something similar, or recruiting them now. Um, but uh, how do we make it interesting? How do we make it uh, engaging? We try to engage the character through the uh, through the NPCs, through the through the people that that care about it. So why should you care about it? Because these people care about it, and these people are actually people that you can believe actually exist. And then it it all feels a lot better. Awesome, fantastic! Oh, this is this is so cool. Um, I so we're we're actually I think we're we're bumping up against your time. Uh, we have one more for I'm sure. Yeah, can I can no, I do no, one more? Please, no, yeah. Zach, by all means. I'll okay. Say that. Okay, so this one comes from 
Joseph Noop, Joseph Nope. Uh, so he says, uh, Odyssey feels a little bit busier than Origins, uh, and a lot of the same business you would find in, in Far Cry 5, where wolves will attack, or uh, moose will, will run in front of you as you're, uh, as you're playing, or a patrol will spot you. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you, you kind of go with these um, organic moments that happen <laughs> uh, from a quest into having these dynamic things, like a quest patrolling by, or wolves attacking a camp while you're trying to do uh, a stealth run, for example? Probably one of the biggest challenges on on this game, I'm going to be okay. honest. Um, okay. Because you want to tell a story with your quest, um, and then a goddamn wolf appears and ruins everything. Right. Uh, or a chicken, in our case. Um, <laughs> yeah, the violent chickens. The, yeah, the violent chickens. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that um, at some point, you learn to embrace it. Uh, so... Like, basically, you play with the world. So if I want to send uh, a player to do something, can I send them in a way into the world that the systems actually work for the quest? And then some safeguarding has to be done, especially when it comes to main path quests. Um, So if you want the main narrative, like, you can't, like, have a random chicken uh, assassinate Socrates, for example. That that would just be bad form. Yeah. Um, so you have to make some concessions there in terms of breaking the systems. And that was, I think, what I said is one of the biggest challenges was working with the people who, who designed and implemented and, and, and made all those systems and finding ways that we could put our hooks into it, uh, right. use it for the quests, but at the same time also influence those systems in a way that it, it actually benefited the quest in the end. Right. Um, so that was one of the huge challenges on this project. And um, uh, I think we managed all right. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I, and I think it makes overall for a lot of interesting moments that would have otherwise not Right. And like, that's, and that's something that I, I think a lot of Ubisoft games have flirted with probably for like the last 10 years. Like I remember one of my, one of my big things in, in Far Cry 3 was you clear an outpost, but like halfway through it, there's a bear in a cage and you can just <laughs> let it out. Yeah. Uh, and like, and like, but those, like, but those are when the systems are, are incredible, right? Like that's like, cause it's, it involves player choice. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the chickens, the chickens are, are the chickens. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a Zelda callback. It feels it, like. It yeah. really is. It, well, and you know, I can relate to what you were saying, Nicholas, because I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like there's nothing around me. And sometimes when I'm trying to get something done, I will have a wild creature come up and just yeah. interrupt me. Like in the morning walking to my car, I'm like, Oh look, there's a coyote. Well, I guess I'm not going to my car. Uh, <laughs> and then I'll have to call my boss and say, look boss, it's like this. You played an overworld game like Assassin's Creed or Red Dead Redemption where a wild animal will just run up and do whatever. That's, that's basically that's what, what happens I'm, to me. Yeah. That's what I'm living right now. Where, where I, walk, I walk outside and I realize, oh, it's Florida, and I don't want to go outside. I just go back in. It's fine. It's okay. There's alcohol inside. Everything's fine. Exactly. Yes. Before we let you go, Nicholas, and thank yes. you, uh, there is one more question, and don't okay. worry. It's a softball, but it's very important because it lets us get to the core of who you are. Mm-hmm. No. So, no. If you had to choose. No, no, thank you. Then no, Finn, no. <laughs> you, you gotta let him ask his question, John. It's okay. All right, fine. I'm just kidding. Would if you had to choose, would you go with cake or would you go with pie? <laughs> the cake is a lie. That is our answer. Good answer. That is our answer. Fine answer. Why this man is working on the greatest game? <laughs> that is probably Finn. That is probably the best answer to that question I've ever heard. <laughs> That's really good. Nobody's ever said. I can't believe nobody's ever actually answered. Really? That. 
Nobody yeah, ever no, says that. No Everyone's, Everyone's too afraid to go for you it. Do, you do talk about video games on this, though. Yes. We, I, I, they overthink it, is what they do. All right. All right. Yeah, thank great. you. Thank you. Like, that's so, why I was that question, because it reveals so much of you as a person. There we go. Mm-hmm. There we go. While also not <laughs> stepping on any lines that we're not supposed to cross during an interview. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I also so, just want. Oh, go I ahead, John. Wanna, I was just I just want to point out uh, El Testa in chat, uh, a fr- friend of ours, Twitch affiliate, uh, does a lot of good work on Mixer, great streamer. She said um, earlier in the chat, I just wanted to point this out. She said, "Old Nympho Lady is my favorite thing ever." So, <laughs> oh God! Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. But but before we let you go, is there anything you would you would like to say or, or reiterate? Um, actually, in regards to that old Nympho Lady, I just. Mm writer who wrote that quest and he said uh, I can't believe I'm going to be famous for writing an old nympho lady in <laughs> but they were very happy that everybody's enjoying it so much so that's great uh-huh. um, otherwise uh, I want to thank uh, first of all you to, for bringing me on and having me uh, with you uh, on this podcast and oh, um, I also want to uh, throw a huge shout out to uh, the community, uh, the uh, Assassin's Creed community, which is incredibly passionate, incredibly um, knowledgeable, and oh my god! I'm so <laughs> no, <laughs> of course, that's, of course, that's par for the course for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. If that's the worst thing um, that happens during this podcast, I'm fine with it. That's what I'm fine. Uh, so yeah, so a uh, huge shout out to the community. They're great. They're amazing. do what we're doing without them, and I'm so thankful. Uh, for all of their feedback, all of their criticism, sometimes harsh, sometimes uh, really, a really great compliments. So uh, really happy about that. And then obviously everybody who's playing the game, I hope you have a lot of fun and as much fun as I had making it. And um, yeah, I hope we can continue to improve and give you better and better experiences as we go along. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just want to point out to everybody in chat, we are, so we are going to take a five minute hiatus. We're going to, the stream will not end. We're going to put up a little, a little, we'll be back soon graphic. Please excuse our noise. Uh, and we will be, what? We'll be back in about five minutes to continue the rest of the show. So please stand by.